0: This is CliffCentral.com. I think it's so important that everybody is given the opportunity of playing this wonderful game. It is the greatest game in the world. When I finally leave the fairway, I want to know I've done my best to get every single person to play this great game of golf. Those are the words of three time PGA Championship winner, the Swiss, Spanish, Italian, Colombian, French, and SA Open winner, and World Cup winner of 1974. And more than that he 's an all round great guy i 'm pleased to have golfing legend Dale Hayes sit down with me today for a little catch up on his incredible life and Dale, you know you live up the road from me, and i I kind of take for granted that i'm i 'm living just a few doors down from a legend, but you really are an extraordinary man and, and more than that you 're an ambassador for golf um, There must be only a handful of people in the world who have had the experiences that you've had as a professional, but also who try to get everybody else as enthusiastic as you have made so many people about the game of golf. It's really a great service to the sport.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, But, you know, it's, it's very simple. If you love something a lot, it's very simple to, to, to be able to go out and try and promote the game and to try and, uh, to try and, get more people to play this wonderful game. And it really is a wonderful game because it's one of the one of the few games that you can play forever. I don't know if you've heard this story, but in America, in California a few years ago, they had a golf tournament for the over-80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an entry from a father and a son. The father was 103 and the son was 82. So... You know, <laughs> <clears throat> that's a that's a true story. That's amazing. So there are very few other sports that that you can have that sort of thing happen. There are very few other sports where you can have, and you see it in front of your house. Dads walking with their with their ten mm-hmm. year old kids or eight year old kids playing golf. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a unique sport. It really is, and it, and it, you know, it's more of a social event than it is a sport. Really, you know, you spend a few hours talking to each other.
0: Well, I, I want to just quickly ref, reflect on the the reasons that I that I needed to talk to you is because uh, as much as as we we occasionally see each other, you showed me um, at the the, the Swartcorp Country Club, you showed me a a library of golf books, which it, it has to be the biggest library in the Southern Hemisphere, if not you know in in any golf course in South Africa, I'm sure, right? It is. It's,
1: I think I think it's the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure of that, and you've um, gathered that. Um, what
0: you, you, you've gathered that over years, and it comes. There family books there that are you know belong to your grandfather.
1: Yeah, you know, my grandfather. So my grandfather was a dentist who came from Ireland to South Africa, and he was a golfer. So he started buying a, a few books, and uh, then my dad was a professional. My dad was in the very first ever Springbok team <laughs> that went to, that travelled overseas. So you know that was way back in 1937 before the Second World War. Wow. And, uh, my dad then obviously started collecting books. And then we started a magazine called Complete Golfer, which is still going. Uh, Dennis Brains and I. And, uh, when we started that, my dad said, listen, you know, you're going to need these books more than me. You know, if you want to try and fill a magazine here, here's some books that might help you. And that's what got my interest up. And, you know, my, when I started doing it, my idea was to try and collect books that one day, which has now come, I would be in my sort of middle, late 60s and I'd start to have the time to read all these books. Well, that hasn't happened because I think after this uh, this virus that hit us, yeah. I'm going to probably have to work harder than ever.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, listen, you, you've, you've, you've done plenty since um, since your professional game came to an end, but I don't think anyone could have been prepared for what we're going through now. What is the And, and really, this is something more about today than it is about your career or history, but what is the position at the moment in terms of, of how we're moving towards getting golf up and running again in South Africa? Is there any... Uh, any interest from government side to kind of bridge the gap. It seems to be one of the few sports where there is social distancing, where people can be far apart. There's uh, all the health concerns are taken care of. A, a golf course would seem to be one of the best places for people to get some exercise. Well,
1: yeah. You know, when you talk about that, I think the best, I don't know what they call these things that you get on your phones, these message things. Yeah. And I think the best one I've seen is, uh, the one about should be a shake. If you think golf is not good for your health, just look at should be a shake. So, <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was classic. But I think we're very close I think that uh, the Department of Sport really wants to open golf. Uh-huh. There are a few hoops that they have to go through, a few legal things that they have to go through. And when I say golf, I'm not I'm talking about non-contact sports. I'm not talking just about golf. Um, I think other sports will open at the same time. But I think I think we're close. I, I would be surprised if people aren't on the golf course within the next week or 10 days, maximum.
0: Well, um, there are probably some golf courses that have had to close down. There are probably lots of people who can't maintain those golf courses because without the membership fees, it's a very tight margin business to, to run. And, you know, there's often this, this view that golf courses are only for the elite. I know you've spent a lot of your life fighting that. And, and trying to make it clear that some great golfers didn't necessarily come from rich families, and that golf is a sport for everybody, do you want to just you know illustrate some of the the, the, the big scenarios in your head when people talk about golf being an elite
1: game?: Well, I think you, know, you only have to look at two of the greatest golfers of all time. Gary Player and, and Arnold Palmer. Neither of them came from wealthy families. In fact, they came from poorish families, mm. and uh, you know they went on to to unbelievable things in golf. And you know, you know, once you bought your golf clubs, uh, um, and they don't have to be that expensive. You can buy secondhand sets. You can join inexpensive golf course or golf clubs. You know that doesn't have to be expensive. So golf doesn't have to be an expensive game. It can be as expensive as you like. You know, you can make it crazy. I mean, they are golf clubs that cost a million dollars a year to, to be members at in, wow. around the world. But you don't have to join those golf clubs. You could join a golf club that just costs you a few hundred grand a month. And uh, so it doesn't have to be an expensive game. And, you know, it obviously depends on how often you play. You know, if you want to play golf three times a week, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Mm. But if you play golf once or twice a month, mm. golf doesn't have to cost a fortune of money. And... You know, if people see the benefits of playing golf. Those benefits, number one, health; Number two, being out in the fresh air, in nature. I mean, the bird life at many of the golf courses in South Africa. It's quite incredible. They're, you know, they're, they're, there's a, a beautiful mongoose just down from your house, not far away, about probably three or 400 metres from your house. There's a mongoose that, that uh, lives there. You know, and there are all sorts of other animals the fish in the rivers and stuff like that. So, you know, going around the golf course, you see all these things. Um, plus, plus, there is the competition element. There is the element in golf where you can see yourself improve. And and golf is, is just you. You know, so it's a game that can give you a lot of pleasure just by knowing that you've improved. You've done it. You know, nobody's helped you. It's not a team game. Not that I'm knocking team games. There's no, sure. certainly a lot of room. In fact, in fact, I would say if you've got a young kid, they must do both. They must play team games and they must play individual sports. But, you know, golf is a game where you can actually kind of look at yourself. It's kind of almost like, you know, being in business where you can see your results and and know, hey, that was just me. I did that. So it's, I think it's cool from that point of view as well.
0: But they, they also provide in cities green spaces which are limited and particularly you know, in, in, in neighborhoods where really there isn't anywhere else to go. A lot of people just living around these, these amazing golf courses, they feel like they're in touch with nature. They've got some kind of connection to the world outside of the, this ugly urban landscape. But the other thing that we've got to be honest about is the fact that they are expensive to maintain. And I'm curious because you, uh, I think you own two of them. Um, what kinds of, 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 measures have you been able to take to keep them going during a time like this? Because the reality is that, you know, you don't have bags and bags of money that you can throw at the problem and, and a golf course has to run like a business.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, this has been obviously devastating for golf courses because you have to keep maintaining. You have to cut them. You have to water them. You know, there's certain things that you have to keep doing. Mm. So, you know, you, we, we were able to, to uh, reduce the staff that actually came to work all the time. Um, but we, we were lucky enough not to, not to, not to retrench people. So our, all our golf course staff are still working. Um, but we had, we had four guys that actually lived at the golf club. Yeah. They actually lived. They lived here for that whole two-month period, that first two-month period. Sure. They actually lived here. They were fed here. They lived here. And they worked here. And they were able to maintain the golf course. So, you know, that reduced the cost a little bit. But, yeah. you know, it's still it's still very, very heavy. But they're all different types of golf courses in South Africa. There are 470-odd golf courses in South Africa. Now, some of them, if you drive in and you go into um, Cape Town and you drive past Colesburg Golf Club, mm. for example, or you're driving the other way and you go past a small golf club um, anywhere anywhere in South Africa that golf club might only have 20 or 30 members. Yeah. Some of them might be farmers. They look after the golf course. There are lots of golf clubs in South Africa that have no stock or maybe just one or two people that work on the golf course that come and cut the greens and stuff. So golf clubs are very varied in, right. in the way they run. A golf club, obviously, in the city, you know, we have a lot of golf courses in Pretoria. There are a lot of golf courses in Johannesburg and Cape Town and Um So the competition is quite fierce. Yeah, And – you know, there, you, you you kind of have to make sure that your golf course is in, you know, uh, at least as good a condition as the golf course next door. Right. Otherwise, your members are going to leave, you know. What we've tried to do, and a lot of golf clubs are trying to do now, is they're working really hard on the social side of golf um, to try and mm. make the golf course almost like your second home, a place where people want to not only come and play golf, they want to sit around and chat and, And have a couple of beers and have a bit of other fun, maybe listen to some music, have a pizza, do all those kind of things as well. That's what we, that's what a lot of golf clubs are trying to do now. They're trying to make golf clubs much more relevant in everybody's life.
0: And they're not these, uh, they're not these stuffy old gentlemen's clubs like they, you know, a lot of people who don't uh, involve themselves in the golf world at all seem to think that they haven't moved forward, that they're still stuck in you know, the traditions of the 1920s. Obviously, that's not the case.
1: Listen, there are some. There's still a lot of golf clubs in the world.
0: Well, I mean, you, I don't know you've been to Augusta, right? I mean, you've been to Augusta. That must be extraordinary.
1: Augusta Augusta is, is very prim and proper. But there are courses in, you know, in Britain and places like that. We used to have to wear a jacket and tie and all those kind of things. Yeah. Now you know that's where my son, who, who you know Adam, yes, that's where Adam has made a huge difference to to Swakop because you know Adam is is he's probably the oldest teenager in the world. <laughs> you know he still dresses like he's eighteen years old, and, and you know and you know he has taken away a lot of that sort of stuff. Certainly from Swakop, he has. But you know people don't want to dress up to go to a golf course. No. People want to use their cell phones at a golf course. Mm. You know, so all those things have had to change. You know, it wasn't that long ago where cell phones were abandoned. You know, you can't do that now. Oh, you can't to, do that.
0: I, mean, you're- I wanted to ask you, uh, Dane Danefern, um, I think it was uh, over the weekend, they arrested some golfers because obviously, they you know, during Level 3, they thought they could make their own rules. And the police were called. And they're apparently golf. <laughs> There were golfers being chased all over the course by police, and you know we don't have the fittest police force in the world, so it must have been
1: quite something to see. Do you have
0: any? Do you have any comment on that?
1: I, I, I actually didn't. I didn't hear that. I heard that when they got to Daneford the golfers had <laughs> left and they'd all finished. I heard that there wasn't any incident at all. Actually, so I don't. I don't know. But you know, it, unfortunately, there were a few clubs that did open, which has hurt our case mm. with the government. You know, you know, uh, clubs opening before they allow to mm. has obviously, has obviously set us back. So, you know, we were hoping that we would hear some news yesterday or today or early this week that we'd hear some news from the government. And all we got was a, a letter of reprimand for them, uh, yesterday saying that, uh, hang on, a whole lot of golf courses have opened without permission. So, uh, you know, we're now waiting for the, for their you know, next communication. So we, but we're still hopeful that, um, you know, you know, half a dozen golf courses might have opened out of, you know, four hundred and sixty. Yeah. <laughs> and every golf course is its own, you know. You can't control everyone. Nobody, yeah. there's nobody kind of like up there who's the boss of golf courses. Yeah. So they can do what they like. Well so, you know, I don't know.
0: Some people some people sort of look to you as a leader in the golf community, but you've done so much. How's <laughs> the I mean you you really have. I mean you've got so you mentioned the the magazine. You do the commentary on, on super golf. Um you you own two courses you've you've you go no, all one only the, one oh is it only is it only one you go all Anyone. over the world you you travel all over the world um you you talk about golf you get young people involved in golf you organize golf days you've really done a lot for the sport what, what do you think the gaps are that still need filling and i hope you're not getting tired with all of this work that you do um you seem to be very inspired by it
1: no, I, you know, I think I'm going to do this until until the day I drop. You know, uh, you don't retire from golf. You know, how do you retire from golf? I mean, it's it's crazy. It's what retired you know, people do. It's like do. you retire, it's like, it's like you're retiring from talking. I mean, you're always going to talk. Aren't you? you know? Yeah. So, um, so I, I don't. I, I don't think I'll retire. Uh, I, you know what I'd love to see is, is more people uh, um, that that are there to promote the game. You know, we have wonderful young professional golfers now, guys that are coming through, um, becoming top professionals, not players. You know, there are two types of professionals. There's a guy that, that you know, is good enough to go out and play on the world of golf circuits, the Brandon Graces, the Louis Westhaisons, the Charles Swatzels of the world, Dylan Fratelli and Eric von Rooyen and George Goodseers. You know, we've got wonderful, wonderful players. And, you know, for the size of South Africa, we punch way above our weight right. on the international tours of the world. Absolutely. In fact, a lovely stat is South Africans have won more major golf tournaments than any other country except America since the Second World War. Really? And that is unbelievable. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, that's absolutely crazy. But the, but the other professionals are what we call club professionals. So he's a guy who, you know, maybe, maybe he's finished playing on the, on the tour, or maybe he was never quite good enough to play on the tour, and he works at a golf club and he coaches or he he looks after the golf shop and does those sort of jobs. And, you know, there are a lot of them now that are, that are going and, and, and setting themselves up at driving ranges as coaches at driving ranges and really promoting the game and getting that guy that comes to the driving range for fun to hit a few balls just for a laugh. Or maybe he brings his girlfriend to the driving range just for a laugh, you know, and getting them, you know, motivated and getting them saying, hey, why don't you start playing the game? Because the fun is to play golf, not to practice golf. Yeah, The fun is to be out on the (laughs) golf course. So, you know, you want those sort of people. And I think that's the gap that I'd like to see more people filling to get to, to help those people to play better golf. Because once you start playing better golf, you'll play more often.
0: You must have a hell of a phone book. I mean, if you if you needed to, you could probably call up uh, some of the biggest names in golf in the world,
1: right? I could I could find a few. Yeah, I don't have uh, I don't have Jack Nicholas's phone number. I don't have Tiger Woods's phone number. <laughs> I do have Tiger Woods' little black book though of all the girls.
0: Oh, <laughs> now, <laughs> now that <laughs> would be much more useful. I think many people would find that much more interesting. Uh, yeah, Dale, I'm mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so but i mean are, you know, you know, obviously I, I can get hold of gary plough i happen to have Nietzsche phone number but right and most of the south africans early and most of the south african
0: what do you think the future of golf is in south africa and what do you think the future of golf is in the world you know we've got we got a, a, a number of things going on and you know, there has been this maligning of golf as being this elite sport. Do you think that in South Africa, people will start to accept and realize that it's actually a very accessible game, that that there are ways for us to, to start making more people, players and fans of the sport? And do you think that internationally, it's going to Start changing uh, its reputation. Not not necessarily that there are so many things that are bad about it, but that it is so inaccessible and so difficult for people to get into, and it's really only for those people who care about strolling around on a beautiful piece of of green property in in the middle of a, a very expensive neighbourhood. How do we how do we see those things changing, or how do we see it happening in the future?
1: You know, those things those things are going to change slowly, and uh, I think in South Africa, what really has hurt golf as it's turned out. Obviously, were the apartheid years, mm. and and I say that because um, a lot of a lot of the the the, the bl- uh, black people, the Indian people, the coloured people, you know, ha- that don't understand mem- golf membership or, or club membership, whatever type of club it is, mm. because they were never allowed to join a club. Yeah, you know, and that's that's really hurt us because they just don't understand now golf. Happens to have caught on in, in all of those communities in a big, big way. Okay, they they really enjoy playing golf, they see the benefits, they see the benefits in business of playing golf, how you know the the opportunities for networking and all those good things. Okay, but they still don't feel comfortable as members of clubs. So we really are as golf clubs, we're struggling to get them to join to come and join in the, the membership. And, you know, even now, and, 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 oh, this, it, it hurts me, you know, when I go to the club, to to SWATCorp or to other clubs, you know, and I see, you know, four balls sitting there and sitting separate, separately of each other, you know, whereas it would be so much, so much, for me, so much more fun and so much more interesting and so much more educational to see those guys sitting together and talking to each other and and talking about their experiences because we all come even in South Africa we come from such different places, you know. I mean, this COVID thing has, has shown us that again, and I mean, it, you know, it's never going to change, I'm sure. But you know, it's it's good to talk to each other, and that's what golf is about. It gives us that opportunity to talk to each other. One of the one of the nice evenings I had at Swakop was with um, a black member that we had. In fact, he's um, he's left the club unfortunately. He moved away, but he sat there for about three hours with many bottles of wine (laughs) and told us his story about when he was in Yeah, He told us the whole story about the late 80s. He was up in Zambia and all those kind of things and into the early 90s and bringing some of the prominent uh, politicians that were outside of South Africa back to South Africa it was the, one of the most interesting evenings I've ever had. And I don't think I would ever have had it had we not been just sitting at the golf course after a round of golf and he just started to tell us these stories. Amazing. You know, and that, for me, that's part of our game. Yeah. That's part of what golf is.
0: Are you still designing courses? Is that something that you still do from time to time?
1: No, you know, I have, I have a great, great friend. His name is Peter Makovich. Yes, And Peter mackovich is an artist. And Peter and I have been... Well, we've actually been in business together since 1975. Can you believe it? We're in various different businesses. The first business we started... I'm going to tell you the story. The first business Peter and I got involved with, Simon Hobday, and we opened up a clothing company. Yeah. And it was called Rhythm Sportswear. Lovely name, man. Yeah, I love Beautiful it. Beautiful <laughs> yeah. name. And we, made, we made, lovely, made lovely golf clothing. But you've never... Seeing three more useless businessmen in your whole life, we didn't have a clue. We did not have a clue. We were golfers, we all played, we played, played the tour, we all played golf. And here we were trying to run this business. And Simon, if we had no money, Simon Hopkins said, well, We've got no money, just throw the checkbook away and then tell him, Sorry, we don't have a checkbook, so we can't pay you. You know, that, I mean, it was, it was, I promise you, we should have made a movie. It was a bunch of. Bull- you cannot believe. Anyway, that's Peter and I started then. And then when Peter started to design golf courses, he came to me and he said, Listen, Hayes, I want to use your name to help you get some business. Yeah. So I got involved. So my my uh input into that really is to try and help Peter to you know to get business. Obviously, in our competition with Gary Player. Right. And I mean Gary Player never mind the greatest sportsman South Africa's ever had. He's one of the greatest sportsmen the world's ever seen. Yeah. So uh you know, to 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 go against Gary, you needed you needed to bring a slightly bigger guts. So Peter wanted me to join him to help him, and that's really I'm not I, I couldn't design a golf course myself. I could change things maybe, sure. but I couldn't design a golf course. But Peter Peter, which is an artist,
0: Dale. What is or is there a single golf course in the world that you haven't played on that you really want to, or have you been able to get yes. get on everyone? Uh, no,
1: actually, there, there are a few now. There yeah. are a few new golf courses being have been built. And unfortunately, one is on the west coast of America, so it's quite a long way away. And the other one's in New Zealand. One, oh, yeah? In New Zealand, a golf course called Eight Kidnappers yeah. is a beautiful golf course that they've built in New Zealand. And in America, they've built five golf courses in one area. A guy called Mike Kaiser mm-hmm. has built five golf courses in one area on the coastline, and uh, it's called Bandon Dunes. Yeah, and I'd love to. Get I'd love to get to those two places. If I haven't been there. I'd love to get to both. I've done some crazy things. I, I made a trip once to to Las Vegas to play eighteen holes on a golf course there called Shadow Creek. It was a brand new golf course that it was built um, built by a, a casino owner. Yeah, and uh, everybody was raving about this golf course. They were talking about it as being, you know, going instantly into the top ten golf courses. In the world. And uh, so I flew over to go and play this golf course. And I flew over without having permission because he owned this golf course. There were no members. And he had he had to okay everybody that plane. So when I got in touch with them, they said to me, uh, they said to me that you've got to be there to get permission. So I said, okay, well, I'm gonna I'll fly over from South Africa. So I flew over there. And I was going to – you know, I had an idea to do something else if it didn't work out. But I got over there and I, I got a hold of them and I thought, well, I better stay in his hotel. That'll be a good start. So I stayed in, <laughs> in his hotel. Uh, this guy called – his name was Wynn, Steve Wynn. Uh-huh. And there's now a Wynn Hotel, right. which, is the, which is the guy. But he no longer – he sold this golf course. Uh, anyway – I got there and I phoned up his – and I got through to his secretary and I said, my name is David Hayes. I've flown from South Africa. I got in touch with you and everything like that. Is there any way I could play on the golf course? So she said, well, when would you like to play? So I said, I'd like to play at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So she said, well, I'll phone you back. So she phoned me back in about three minutes later and she said, uh, when you drive through the gate, make sure you don't go over 20, 20 miles an hour, okay? Park your car, there'll be somebody to meet you. Well, I went and I played 18 holes of golf on my own. Wow. They gave me a caddy who I wasn't allowed to pay. They paid him. Yeah. Okay. I paid for nothing. They offered me lunch. They offered me dinner. They. I went to the shop and I said, can I get a, a memento, you know, a cap with a logo And I said, how much is that? Couldn't pay for that either. Wow. Um, incredible.
0: When I got home,
1: at the time we owned Complete Golf and Magazine, I, I got back in touch with him. I sent him in those days a fact.
0: <laughs> yes, a fact.
1: To say that—that's uh, right. Could I get some photographs to put into our magazine? And the brother phoned me, and he said, "If you write one word about our, our golf course, we will sue you. Oh, our wow. golf course is private. You don't talk about it. You don't write about it. You don't put photographs." Nothing. Wow! How's that? Jeez. Isn't that incredible?
0: So the only record of this is in your imagination and your memory. Yeah.
1: God, absolutely, yeah, and it was one of the one of the most beautiful golf courses. Mm. Really, was absolutely exquisite in the middle of the Nevada desert.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, that, their their water bill must be quite something, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that no, must be frightening. Absolutely. Well, Dale, thank you for everything that you do for golf. Um, I'm I'm not a golfer. My brother and my dad are. They absolutely love it, and I know that there are millions of people all over the world who. Who are, are just grateful to people like you and they're not a lot like you. You're really one of a kind, who do so much for the sport. Please keep the fight going and, and at the same time keep on making people passionate about something that, that I know you are so passionate about. It's great to see someone who loves something as much as you do doing what they do.
1: Gareth, okay, thanks very much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Great to, nice to see. You. Thank
0: you, Dale. Thank you. Dale Hayes. This is Cliffcentral.com.